Hello and welcome to this CM Life Science mini-series, Lessons from Leaders in Life Science. I'm today's host, Jan McLean, and my focus here at CM Life Science is the bioinformatics space, with a specialist interest in connecting with leaders in the space to gain valuable insight from their climb to the top. In today's episode, I speak with Kirk Sudheimer, SVP of Business Development and Sales at Health Catalyst, about how to find your niche and build a career based on what you like. Whether you're interested in learning valuable insight from a leader in life sciences, great tips for networking in the space, or you just want to hear an inspiring story, then be sure to have a listen. Here it is, and I hope you enjoy. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to just give the listeners um, an introduction, Kirk, you know, a little bit about yourself, your role, you know, your key areas of expertise and, um, and things like that, that'd be great. Yeah, you bet. Uh, hello, everyone. The... Um... I've been a seller for a really long time. And so uh, about 35 years. So I guess I'm in my fourth decade. I guess that's how you describe it. Um, Still plan on doing a lot more. Um, But uh, since the day I stepped out of college, I stepped into sales. Um, You know, I'll I'll describe uh, me kind of working my way into the research data space um, back in the 90s. Uh, Since that time, I've spent half my time in healthcare half my time in pharma kind of worked in the convergence of those two industries. And I feel, I feel fortunate to be where I am now because the life of sales can often take you um, in different directions. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think I've landed these last couple of decades into a really nice space that holds, uh, you know, holds a lot of potential. And then, you know, the last few, as I've grown up in my sales, um, you know, I've acquired some business acumen along the way. And the last last three stops have been around either you know launching a commercial initiative or fixing a commercial initiative or helping to scale a commercial initiative. It's about taking something that um, w- wasn't there or wasn't um, packaged correctly and repackaging it into the marketplace. And so you know that goes well beyond sales with regards to organizational impact and those sorts of things. So um, yeah. So that, that that's probably a best description for now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, I appreciate the um the introduction. And I guess obviously as kind of an SVP of, of business development and sales um for life sciences, Kirk, what would you say are kind of you know the things that you enjoy most about the role? You've you've made reference to a couple of things there, you know, kind of bringing the bridge together between pharma and data. You know, what are kind of the the most enjoyable aspects of, of your position and, and kind of previous roles that, that you've been in? Yeah, I, I think um in order to really enjoy sales, you have to kind of be a people person to begin with. And so there's, and, and, you know, it's sometimes that can be difficult to understand about oneself, but uh, ultimately it's about making connections, but more than that, it's about if you can kind of position yourself into an industry with a product that has real value, not just selling a thing, but selling something that it has a lot of affinity for that is really solving real problems you know, and, you know, you, you hear the old mantra of solution selling. To, to me, that's what is, is the most terrific thing, right? You know, a customer has a problem that they, they just cannot figure out how to fix. And you've got a solution to help them advance their, their own career as well as the organization, you know, that they work for in their initiative. So um, to me, that's what is the, um, what feels best about what I do. Yeah. Got it. Brilliant. And I guess a, a question in terms of, sort of your current role and and I guess maybe a bit earlier in your career as well from a management side of things you know I guess in the commercial division do you maybe enjoy more 
kind of overseeing, you know, a strategic commercial approach, maybe managing a team, or are you kind of more inclined towards, you know, the individual contributor side of things? So, you know, what do you get that kind of buzz from? Is it from the management, from kind of closing the deals? What do you prefer? Yeah, it's, um, it's, I've been on a journey, right? And so, um, you know, earlier in the career, it was just about closing the deal, very much deal focused. And the first time you step away from the front lines, um, it's, it's all about people and nurturing and helping others get to where they want to be, uh, whether that be above you or below you, right? You know, there's, you know, you have to deliver a number as a sales manager, but you have to do it indirectly. So it's about being able to really coach your people in a way that, that drives them. And every, and just like in a, if you're selling, every customer is a different personality. If you're managing, all your team have different personalities and you need to be able to be flexible and adapt and kind of move in that direction. And then, you know, as a couple of roles that are available now that weren't really a decade ago, this idea of a chief commercial officer, which is bringing all the um, customer facing functions, sales, marketing, customer success, kind of under the same umbrella for coordination, or you can get even a uh, chief growth officer, which involves additional concepts around product creation and, and things of that nature, which so essentially it's about moving product into the hands of customers. But, you know, as you climb this ladder, you get a broader and broader preview and responsibility across the organization. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Good stuff. And I guess, how would you say, um, or, or how would you advise an individual to decide which route is for them? Because Obviously, I've kind of worked with candidates like yourself, Kirk, who are more on the kind of uh, the management strategic side, but then also working with, um, you know, individual contributors as well, kind of late into their career. And they maybe just never um, kind of enjoyed that commercial management and preferred to kind of go on their own, really. So is yeah. it a case of kind of trial and, trial and error, you know, seeing if you enjoy management or do you think you kind of know that that quite early, would you say? No, I, I think that um, it, it kind of grew out of me. As I as I moved along in my sales career, right? Uh, you know, I was just I was just hustling, trying to be successful. You know, carry you know carrying a bag, as they say. <laughs> and even today, sometimes it's a you know when you're when I'm reshaping commercial models, you have to be a player coach, right? You still have to be in the trenches trying to get it done, as well as kind of shape the organization. But um, as 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 I've grown in product awareness, that you know, I found myself having opin opinions how products were designed good or bad, and ultimately wanting to find my way into a role that could impact that. So not just sell, but impact what it was that was being sold. And so kind of growing, growing in that direction is, is how I kind of ended up where I am. Yeah. Got it. So I guess kind of to, to go back, maybe kind of a trial and error approach or just it kind of evolves naturally, would you say you, you sort of figure yeah. out what it is you want to move into really? Yeah. And, you know, I'd add that, you know, for people that are, uh, want to get into sales, right, uh, you can make a, a very good living for yourself and your family and by just carrying a bag your entire life. It's, it's, there's nothing to say that because you haven't moved up the chain into management and beyond that, you know, that's not the that's not the determinant of success. Right. The success is, you know is um is your job but even that's not the most important you know you you uh there's you know there's this huge movement in the pandemic towards um you know self and 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 you know taking care of oneself and you know that rolls into family and there's a lot of other 
items there, right? So, you know, and the one thing about selling, if you're just carrying the bag, individual contributor, um, you know, there's, there, you have fewer people pawing at your time. And so you, you, you could argue it's a better quality of life yeah. <laughs> on, on, on the front lines at times. Yeah. So, um, so there's lots of ways to enjoy a, a long and healthy career in sales. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. And I guess you just alluded to it a little there in terms of someone wanting to get into sales. Is there kind of a, a direct route, would you say? Because obviously someone like yourself, Kirk, you kind of have the, the biology background. I guess if someone's looking to get into specifically, you know, biotech or life science sales, is that kind of background essential, would you say, you know, can somebody come into it from, from a different discipline or? I, I would I'd say some areas are still very accessible, right? And so, um, uh, you know, just a few basic things are, you know, you have to be passionate about your desire to be kind of face-to-face -face with people, right? And then meeting people for the first time and don't be afraid to, uh, you know, turn a doorknob and meet someone, you know, fresh, and, you know, you have to, and that is just a kind of a personality trait you need to assess about yourself, you know, kind of thinking back, sure, I had a biology degree coming and my, you know, my career trajectory looks very linear, but it was anything but that, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I can still recall a month before graduating from college, wondering what I was going to do next, because I had thought yeah. medical school, I thought, grad school and, and and none of those turned out to be viable options for me. So I was like, what was I going to do? And I'm, I'm <clears throat> I was interviewing for this sales thing um, with the pharmaceutical company and yeah, I, I, yeah. I got the job. So that was my, you know, my first sales job right out of school. And, you know, it made, it made sense, but yeah, I stepped into a brand new world that I was not expecting a month even prior to graduation. And so um, it, it took me a while to, um, in terms of years to really get my grounding and, and understanding the profession of sales, you know, just like being a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist or anything else, it is a profession, right? You need to yeah, yeah. nurture and grow into, but to, to get into this space, which I think is the most exciting space in life sciences. If you've, um, if you've sold anything successfully, you're showing the ability to, to move a product into the marketplace, a high close rate, you're always hitting your numbers, those sorts of things. Somebody's going to give you a chance. Um, uh, because there, there's, there's people looking for talent, especially in this industry right now. So yeah. they'll give you yeah. a chance. You might have to take a step back in order to take two steps forward, right? You might be a field seller. You might have to come in as a BDR because you've switched industries yeah. and you have to prove that you can kind of take on the acumen necessary in order to, to move the product in. Mm. But you, if you're successful, there's always going to be a home for you somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. So I guess what you're saying is that they're kind of, the skills of sell or sales rather is, is kind of transferable. So, you know, even if you've succeeded in, in another industry, for example, you think, you know, even though you might have to take a little step back, um, people in the life sciences space will, will be kind of glad to bring you on board and, and kind of give you a shot really. Yeah. But, but, you know, if you're just starting out in your career, the, um, you know, a, a, a starting salary for a BDR and inside seller, right. It's kind of pounding the phones and, and, um, and doing those sorts of things. Are competitive with an engineer just coming out of college yeah. and a lot of other very you know professions with a lot more upside long term so um so the point is it's not a whole lot of a step back right you can come in at a at a, a, a pretty good number and uh and then just continue to grow based on your performance yeah 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 and i, I guess just finally on that point do you think then that someone is kind of at a slight advantage if they have that kind of background that you have in biology for example or you know, chemistry or pharma, 
or is it? Yeah, you know, yeah, ab- absolutely. And I think where it um, where it helps from a hiring perspective is that it's a, a box that can be checked that the, the hiring person can look at it and say, oh, they've already spent a lot of time in the space. You know, assessing their sales capabilities is one item, but you know, they, they already have some kind of passion for the, the topic, right? For, for the industry that they're stepping into and those things will come together. That said, once you take the first step inside the, the corporation, none of that stuff matters and you just need to be able to deliver to the bottom line. But, yeah. but it, it, does, it does help open a door and get that first conversation, I think for sure. Brilliant. Good stuff. Well, I guess aside from someone who's kind of looking to get into the industry, maybe someone who's kind of in the space now, would you have any kind of tips for someone to, to reach? I mean, your level of seniority, for example, your level of, of kind of success in the space, has there been certain lessons you've learned throughout that you think would, would lend to that? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, kind of follow, follow your, follow your heart on these sorts of things. That's, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but the, um, you know, you know, several jobs back, um, when I was selling, selling technology and selling data warehouses into life sciences and healthcare, um, you know, I just, I started to have very different opinions about product direction. <laughs> and I alluded to this kind of earlier in our conversation, right? And I thought, well, you know, um, let's, let's test that a little bit more, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, yeah. so you move to an opportunity that, that allows you to, to have a voice in those kinds of decisions, not just the selling. And then you, you find, okay, in my case, okay, that there was some success there. And then you say, well, what's, what's kind of that next challenge? So, you know, my mentality is not status quo. It's always, it's growth and learning and, yeah. and, and continuing to expand, but that's, that's not necessarily for everyone. And if it's not, that's not a negative thing. It's just, um, you know, just uh, li- li- listen, listen and pay attention to what's, what you enjoy doing about the job and then continue to uh, kind of massage your career in that direction. Got it. Yeah. Um, um, I guess just back to the management point, um, do you think there's maybe a quicker route to, to your kind of seniority if you're willing to, to pick up a team rather than kind of, would you say there's a sort of a roof for an individual contributor, for example, maybe VP level? You know, do you feel like management helps get to a senior level quicker, essentially? Or Yeah, it does, because, you know, uh, once you step away from the front lines, whether you're just uh, managing a small team, or your overseeing managers, um, it's it's all about people skills at that point, right? It's 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 really about your ability to communicate and and um, and in, incentivize and create and get action out of yeah. other individuals. And so, you know, that goes all the way up to the CEO. You know, there's a CEO that leads the company. There's the sellers that bring revenue into the company, and everything else in between is just layers of management. So that's the, the so the people skills become incredibly important the, the first time you step out of, of uh, being an individual contributor yeah yeah so would you say that's kind of the the key um, differentiator i guess between someone like yourself who's at kind of svp and you know someone who's maybe at you know i guess a, a senior man- a manager level and, and can't kind of get above that can't seem to push past that would you say that's the difference to the people skills yeah i ab- absolutely and a um and business acumen right it's right. it's uh it's, it's the ability to kind of be able to understand enough about the capabilities of the business 
to be able to take the big view in terms of you know what what is the strategy how how do we get from point you know point A to point B and grow and grow our numbers it's the people and and business strategy are the, are the things that allow you to to really elevate got it good stuff and I guess just kind of we've we've spoke obviously about all the good of the role and how to kind of get up to that level what would you say some of the kind of key challenges you know what can someone expect coming into the space that that might be difficult for them, for example, or, you know, some kind of struggles that they might face? Yeah, um, within, um, within a... Um, yeah, I guess more just in kind of a commercial life sciences space, you know, whether it's an individual contributor role, whether it's a management role, and I guess we can look at them separately as well, but maybe some of the challenges you faced throughout your career and, and kind of how you overcame them. Yeah, I, I think more than anything in this space, um, you know, you're, the, the people you're calling on have, have a lot of advanced degrees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, that, but that doesn't mean that you can't bring value to what they're doing, right? Yeah, you just have, yeah. to, you have to understand your position and, and, and then their world. If, if you try to become a scientist, that's, that's going to fail, right? Yeah, so yeah. Don't, don't be intimidated by that but just really have a firm understanding of the, the value of the product you're selling and how it can make that person's life better. And if you have the, the firm understanding of how to navigate that conversation, um, that, that'll, be the, um, that'll be the most important. So the, you know, the, having the, you'll, you'll never have enough background to match. And so uh, that person, so it, it's important. I think the real successful sellers today um, in the space I'm in where they can be long, you, you know, think of yourself as more of a chess player, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're orchestrating the pieces on and off and around on the board yeah. in front of the customer, bringing in the right resource at the right time to have the right conversation in order to continue to push the deal forward. You know, it, you know, it's very difficult in this space to go get from initial interactions to closure without involving a whole heck of a lot of other people along the way yeah, yeah. at specific locations. So it's, it's really becoming that master chess player as, a, as opposed to just personal fortitude, right? To yeah. get things done. Yeah, of course. And I think that's something that obviously I've experienced myself as well. And, and there's probably a similarity, obviously, between kind of the, the recruitment sector and, and commercial sales in on that front is that, you know, I'm kind of dealing with these really technical people and, and they don't expect me to be a technical expert. And I, I guess it's, probably similar for, for someone like yourself that while you are kind of, you know, technically tuned in, they don't look at you for kind of a huge amount of, of technical support because that's, that's not really your job on, on the face of it. Yeah. And you know, what, what I find is that transparency in these things goes a long way. I mean, yeah. uh, I oftentimes open up the conversation and say, Hey, I am not a scientist. Yeah. I know something about this space, but I'm not. And you just put those cards on the table because if you, if you try to pretend to be in, in our space too scientific, the conversation drives in a scientific direction, which yeah. sooner or later, and you it's going to be sooner. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're out of things to say. Yeah. Um, you know, dismiss some of those rabbit holes that you can go down mm. and stay focused on your job, which is can is the way my is my product positioned in a way to add value to a pain that the customer is experiencing. That's the seller's job. Can you match yeah. value with pain? And if you can, then everything unfolds and, and you're allowed to bring in these resources and kind of move along a, okay. um, a, a, a line. And, you know, if the customer has pain, budget and timing, 
mm. you know, then you, you have an opportunity, but stay focused yeah. on what your job is, which is not to be, become a scientist, but to communicate and understand pain and whether or not your product can solve that problem. Yeah. 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 I think something as well that I wanted to ask um, yourself specifically, Kirk, obviously having kind of, you know, introduced you to, to people in the past. And, and one of the key things that kind of always stands out about your background that the clients will say to me is, well, look, you know, look at this guy's kind of Rolodex of connections. Look at this guy's um, contacts, essentially. Would you say that again is, is something that's really important to success in the space? In, in young companies, absolutely, because the, the, the typical startup you'll run through is, um, uh, a, you know, a, a company gets some VC funding and they're launched and the very first people that end up getting called are um, people that the board knows. So if, you, if the board is staffed well, it's there and it's executive selling for the first few years and it takes two to three years and the VCs are willing to support that activity to, under, to understand, okay, we've got this idea, but how do you package it commercially so that you can scale it? And, and it, if you're the first one or two sellers into that, it's about who you can bring to the table to have a sales conversation with as well, right? Once, once the, um, the packaging has been figured out, then it's, it's getting bodies and just putting the machinery in place to scale and go. But especially early on, um, in larger, well-formed companies, if you have some relationships, that's great, but it's, it's not as important. But in young companies, it's, it's essential to be able to bring a network in, in yeah. to, uh, for success. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I guess just to, to finish off, I know we touched on it briefly, but how important would you say it is, um, I guess, in the commercial space more than anything to kind of overcome challenges or, or, or failures? You know, if you were kind of riding on a big deal that, that you, you know, promised was going to come in and, and it maybe didn't, you know, how important is it to kind of learn from that? And, and where can you kind of take the value from those situations? Would you say I anyway? Yeah, I, I think even in, in the, you know, whether it's a success or a failure, there's always learnings to be had, right? You can kind of come back and grade your, kind of grade yourself out on, um, you know, what you could be doing better. Uh, uh, you know, when I've, when I've managed sellers and, and continue to, um, I always emphasize, look, there's no one right path to success. You know, if, if you have an opportunity, you know, apply, um, you know, be transparent and, and be your most and be the best person you know how to be. And that creates confidence with the buyer and it creates transparency and trust. And what you need, what you're trying to do is get that trust because once you have trust, you can really explore more broadly in conversations because they know they're going to get an honest answer from you. And it's building those trusts and those sorts of things. And, and usually I've found where, um, where, where, you know, deals I've missed out on or, or they, they've gone south. It's just, um, you know, there was not that opportunity to create that trust. Maybe you're coming in late in an RFP and they've already known another vendor for six or seven months, and they're just looking for a pricing validation, right? So they can take it to their manager and say, hey, I really like this one, and I've gotten these other responses. And, and, you, and it's, it's easy to, to understand that, right? Uh, and, and see that happening in front of you. So, um, so yeah, I, 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 does that kind of answer the question? I want to make sure I'm on point there. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. And I guess from that, one thing I did take was, would you say that, relationships can sometimes be, um, I guess, built on the fact that maybe you didn't have, um, you know, a slam dunk with this individual, maybe the, the two companies didn't hit it off this time and, and the deal fell out. But 
maybe you build from there and relationships can be built on from there, would you say, or? Yeah, ab absolutely. There's been plenty of opportunities where um, I've been able to build up uh, relationships. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think my former employers would appreciate me saying that, but that, for instance, I, you know, we were, we were working on selling something and they said, Oh, I yeah. see you've got this other thing. And I just very, very transparently said, you don't want that. Right. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just take my word for it. It's not gonna, yeah. it's not gonna provide the value you perceive that it, it will and guiding or creating or getting late in a sales cycle and just saying, look, um, I really want your business, but um, this is not a good match for our organizations. Hmm. So I, I should, I should, you know, in, in your best interest, I should pull back. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's really, if, if you can, it's, it's really about being completely dedicated to the success of the person you're talking to, in my opinion, yeah. as opposed yeah. to just trying to hit your number. Right. Yeah. Because if you're just trying to hit your number, um, it, one, it shows, and it's uh, not not in a good way. But if you're you if you're invested in the success of your customer, that shows through, and mm. uh, that that's a great place to be. Yeah. So I guess being kind of genuine, being sort of empathetic of their situation, that's something that that really kind of helps you create these relationships. That, yeah. At the end know. of the day, they're people, and they just want to talk to real people, right? Yeah. In, in yeah. Sales, and then not just feel like they're constantly being sold to, right? Uh, um, and, and I, yeah, I think that goes a long way. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I, I guess just kind of closing out, Kurt, would you say there's any kind of, I guess, final tips or, or tricks that maybe we've not discussed to someone looking to, to move into the commercial life science space that you think, you know, could kind of add value? Yeah. Uh, to me, the, you know, the future is all about genomics. Um, I have a background in that space, kind of fell into that space. Hmm. Um, and there's a, there's a couple business dynamics happening with large pharma right now mm. um you know the fda has kind of said no to me too drugs um you know, if you look back in the 70s and 80s when like uh hypertension medicine and beta blockers first came on the scene for 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 controlling that you know one company would come out with this kind of new drug class and then everyone else would come and try and tweak it so they could get their own intellectual property around it but ultimately that drug didn't perform any better than the other drugs, right? So the FDA said, look, we need, we need pharma focused on bringing better compounds, just not more of the same to the marketplace. Hmm. So in, in order to do that, what pharma is doing is they're basically designing therapies for, uh, uh, instead of a cohort of patients, it's like subtypes and then subtypes of subtypes, right. subtypes, 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 right? You see where this is going. Yeah. And so in theory, I was listening to a speaker last fall at the health conference in Boston and said, you know, on, on the current trajectory, all diseases become rare diseases at some point because th they're having to design for these very, very, very specific cohorts. Now, Jack, you and I win because the drugs instead of working 30% of the time work 90% of the time if we fit into those cohorts. But the distinguishing factor about those cohorts is the genetic piece. So you can, uh, the clinical data or clinical research data will only tell you so much. At the end of the day, it's about adding this genomic subtype hmm. to, to the cohort of patients to determine how the drugs best can best be used. And you know, we sequenced the first human back in 2003, and it's taken us a long time to figure out really how to leverage that initial knowledge. You know, that we went through about what I was called the, the dark ages of life sciences. We learned more about what we didn't know than what we did know. <laughs> Yeah. And then kind of now emerging out with all these drugs coming into clinical trials, 
to me, I, I just think, you know, personalized medicine um, and in, in a way, the work that I'm doing now is, is kind of the work that I hoped I ultimately would have been done had I been able to go to medical school. Right. But it's in a yeah. much bigger, but it's in much bigger fashion. So uh, I, I think the genomic landscape landscape is just incredible at the moment. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. Uh, it's completely pivoting the entire life sciences industry. And so there, and there's lots of niches for good sellers to play in there. Brilliant. No, I agree. Definitely. Um, look, I mean, that, that's everything really that, that I wanted to, to kind of go over with yourself, Kirk. And I know I've certainly taken um, a huge amount of value from a lot of the points we discussed there. So I'm sure those listening, um, listening, sorry, will, will also have taken a huge amount of value, but, um, look, it's always a pleasure. I obviously appreciate your time and, um, yeah, thanks again for, for joining us. Yeah, I've enjoyed getting to know you over the last few years, Jack. So best of luck to you as well. Thank Likewise. You. Cheers, Kirk. Speak soon. See you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, and welcome to this CM Life Science mini-series, Lessons from Leaders in Life Science. I'm today's host, Jack McLean, and my focus here at CM Life Science is the bioinformatics space, with a specialist interest in connecting with leaders in the space to gain valuable insight from their climb to the top. In today's episode, I speak with Kirk Sudheimer, SVP of Business Development and Sales at Health Catalyst, about how to find your niche and build a career based on what you like. Whether you're interested in learning valuable insight from a leader in life sciences, great tips for networking in the space, or you just want to hear an inspiring story, then be sure to have a listen. Here it is, and I hope you enjoy. Enjoy.